I want to encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 if you have a copy of Scripture. Um, I know that you'll find it helpful to have that open and to be reading along with me. We're looking at Hebrews 11, uh, verses 8 through 16. This is that great Hall of Faith chapter in Scripture. It is the, uh, the great chapter of the example of those who have gone before us, who have lived by faith, who have died in faith who have uh, sojourned through this world and have entered into glory, who are even now in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want us to consider together this one portion of Hebrews 11 this morning, beginning in verse 8. And uh, let me just briefly pray for us one more time before we look at God's word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you that you have breathed out every word in scripture. We thank you that you have given it to us to increase our faith. We pray, our God, that you would strengthen us in faith this morning. We pray that you would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would draw near to us, that you would uh, speak as the great prophet of your church, that you would make us to hear your voice and to live. We pray that you would help us as we worship you, and we pray that you would Give us grace to sojourn through this life, hoping in that city that has foundations, whose builder and maker you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 8, the writer says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as I noted just a minute ago, my wife and I moved here a year ago from Savannah, Georgia. We were there for 10 years. Uh, Prior to that, I had lived in seven states, and in total, I've lived in 30 homes. I'm 42 years old. Um, We moved a lot when I was a boy. My wife, by way of contrast, grew up in the same home, and Uh, Savannah was the place we lived for the longest. It was the place I lived for the longest. And when we left, uh, it was was hard to leave uh, a beloved city and beloved friends. Um, On our way out of town, someone at the church we were visiting uh, reminded us of uh, something that C.S. Lewis says in his book, The Problem of, of Pain. He says, the settled happiness and security that we seek God withholds from us though joys and merriments he scattered abroad. And then Lewis says that um, 
everything that we enjoy in this life is, is just pleasant ends that God lets us stay at, as it were, um, as we make our pilgrimage home. It's really a beautiful um, concept that anything we enjoy in this life, any place that we've enjoyed, any experiences we've enjoyed, they're just pleasant ends. God is not going to let us have security and satisfaction in anything created in any place or experience. Um, that's one of the frustrating things about life, but it's also one of the helpful things for us who are looking by faith to Jesus Christ and pressing on to a city that has foundations whose builder and maker God is. And the writer of Hebrews here in Hebrews 11 is giving a, a church that has been persecuted the example of the sojourning life of those who went before them because uh, they are having their possessions taken away. Later in the passage, he'll say, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. They, they were, maybe some of them, having their homes taken away. They were not having settled security and happiness when they had decided to follow Jesus. They had persecution and hardship. And so the writer goes back to the Old Testament and mines out of it these examples for them to bolster them and to encourage them to persevere in the faith. Um, I think that's one of the things that we need so desperately is encouragements to persevere in the faith. I've seen so many in my short Christian life fall away from their profession, fall away from following Christ and turn back to the world. And that was not the example of Abraham. And it's not the example that encourages us to persevere as we see here in this passage we need so desperately by looking at the patriarchs. I want us to consider two things this morning. I want us, first of all, to consider sojourning by faith, the sojourning life by faith, and then I want us to consider the persevering life by faith. In, in one sense, everything about your Christian life is summarized in those two things, sojourning by faith and persevering in faith. That's the cumulative, overarching uh, principle of the Christian life. And here the writer gives us first the example of Abraham. Now, you all know the story of Abraham so well. I'm sure you could get up here and rattle it off. And uh, we've read about Abraham this morning from Genesis 12. One of the things that maybe has never occurred to you when you think about Abraham, because sometimes I think we're tempted to look back at, at sort of antiquity and we think, well, it would have been easy for Abraham to leave. It, it'd be much harder for us who live in developed civilization, who have all of the, the luxuries of life, and we live in, in this modern world with all of the, the wonderful things that we enjoy, and how much harder it would be for us to leave. And, and we fail to realize that Abraham was living in the most sophisticated city in the ancient Near East. Ur of the Chaldeans was an incredibly developed city with art and architecture and all kinds of luxuries and comforts. It, it was a metropolis. And, and God comes to Abraham and he says, get out, leave her, leave your father, leave everything that you know, and go to a land that I'm calling you to. And Abraham goes out on a promise and nothing other than a promise. Abraham goes out on a promise and nothing other than a promise. Think about that. He doesn't see the city. He doesn't know what it's going to be like. He doesn't see anything in front of him. But he, he, by faith, in not just the promise of God, but in the God of promise, Abraham goes out 
by faith on a promise. I want you to consider this this morning. Um, Eric Alexander, a Scottish pastor and theologian, said this, Abraham understood that it was better to go out into the unfamiliar with God than to venture out into the familiar without him. Abraham understood it was better to go out into the unfamiliar with God than to venture out in the familiar without him. So most of the people in this world are living in the familiar without God. And yet Christians are called to go out into the unfamiliar, out not knowing where we're going, the writer of Hebrews says. He didn't know. He didn't see. He had a promise. And he had the God of promise leading him and guiding him. And he went out and he became a sojourner. Notice what the writer of Hebrews says here. He says he went out not knowing where he was going. Now notice verse 9. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. So Abraham never owned any of Canaan except for a burial place for himself and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah. He didn't own a square inch, one writer has said, of Middle East real estate. But he got a little burial place and he lived in the land his entire life as in a foreign country. The land that God had promised him was like a foreign land to him. And he lived there and he sojourned there. Notice what the writer says. Notice verse 10. No, I'm sorry, verse 9. He lived in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Three generations. Three generations of patriarchs. It's a long time living as a foreigner in a promised land, not knowing where he was going, living in tents. Picking up his tent, moving wherever God told him to go. Um... One of the greatest quotes in church history is by an uh, old Princeton theologian named Gerhardus Voss. He says, only, only the predestined inhabitants of the eternal city can dwell in simple tents as kings and princes of God. Only the predestined inhabitants of the eternal city can dwell in simple tents as kings and princes of God. Isn't that awesome? He didn't live, he didn't live in a castle. He didn't build a city here for himself. He wasn't, he wasn't developing civilization. He wasn't, he wasn't making a name for himself. He was living in tents. Um, by faith. That's awesome. He knew that this is not it. You know, I said recently, if, if anything ought to tell us this is not it, it's 2020. I mean, if you don't feel that, there's something terribly wrong. I can't, I can't even watch the news anymore. Um, what's next? We all know we're just waiting. What's next? But, you know, we should be reminded this is not it. This is not our home. I've lived in beautiful places. I grew up on St. Simons Island, Georgia. Lived in Asheville, North Carolina. I've hit up all the beautiful southern cities now. Um, and none of them are home. This is not it. Um, Abraham knew that God was calling him to go out and to persevere sojourning in faith. I want to ask you this morning um, if you have a sojourning and an exile mentality. Because the heart of Christianity is that we are exiles. 
Uh, Christ has redeemed us out of the world to belong to him and yet kept us in the world as exiles. Um, if you haven't read The Pilgrim's Progress in a while, I would encourage you to go back and read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. That's the Christian life, moving through, navigating all of the difficulties and challenges of life heading to glory. Um, I sometimes think the church forgets this. When I scroll through social media, it's just all in the here and now. It's all this here. Um, and the writer of Hebrews would direct our thoughts and attentions to the patriarchs. And notice, notice verse 10, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He knew that there was a lasting city. God had told him he was going to be with him, give him an inheritance, give him descendants. Um, he showed him the stars of the sky, and, and he said, look up, and as many stars as you can see, and there's no, there's no city lights to diminish the glory of the sky in the Middle East. And, and Abraham's looking up, and as one of my dear friends, Burke Parsons, says, when he looked up and saw the stars, he saw you, if you're a believer. He saw you. God said, though you have no children, you're a hundred, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars of the sky, and they're going to dwell in a city that has foundations forever. And Abraham sojourned by faith in Sarah. Notice verse 11, Sarah herself. I love that the writer of Hebrews includes Sarah because sometimes we might pass her by. Sarah herself conceived strength. She, she got the strength to conceive from God supernaturally by faith. She believed the promise, though she had laughed at the promise. She, she considered him faithful, that he could do what he had said he could do. And that, that's, the, that's the secret to sojourning, is believing that God can do what he has said he will do, and entrusting ourselves to him to do what only he can do against all odds. Abraham was as dead, as it were. Sarah herself was past the age of conceiving, and yet God had promised, I'm going to give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And notice the writer says, therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, verse 12, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And if you're a believer, you are a descendant of Abraham. The New Testament emphatically says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's and heirs according to the promise. So Abraham knew the hope wasn't the land of Israel. Abraham knew the hope was not building a city here. Abraham knew that the hope was being with Christ. Jesus himself said to the Pharisees when they disputed with him, and, and they said, are you greater than our father Abraham? Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And then he said, your father Abraham saw my day and rejoiced to see it and was glad. So Jesus said Abraham was looking by faith to the coming Redeemer and being with him in a lasting city. There's a really amazing sermon series by a guy named Edward Donnelly, an Irish preacher, uh, he preached many years ago, 20 years ago now, on heaven and hell. And one of his sermons on heaven is 
arguably the greatest sermon I've ever heard preached on heaven, and he said, you know, the New Testament doesn't tell us a lot about heaven. It's actually remarkably silent about details, which is why people conjure up all kinds of crazy ideas, and will there be golf in heaven? I mean, who cares? Seriously, who cares? If your hope is playing golf in heaven, there's something terribly wrong. And, and Edward Donnelly says, and you'll have much better than golf in glory, and Edward Donnelly says, the New Testament, when it speaks about the hereafter for believers, it almost always does so by saying it's being with Jesus. Jesus himself said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Sinclair Ferguson, in um, his most recent Table Talk article on the state of glory, said when he was a young man, he had a dream that he had um, died and was uh, entering into glory, and there were all these friends there welcoming him, and he was pushing them out of the way, and he was saying, Jesus, I have to get to Jesus. I said to my wife, why can't I have that dream? <laughs> That's a good dream. Um, Abraham was looking by faith in the coming Redeemer and knowing that God was going to do what he had promised through that Redeemer, who he didn't see. Now, secondly, I want us to consider the persevering life of faith, because Many start out well, and as the New Testament says, make a shipwreck of the faith. Um, many start out well and um, grow discontent, um, maybe start to get too settled in a certain place and start taking their gaze off of Christ and putting them on temporal things. It's a very common temptation for us, for me, for all of us. Um, but notice what the writer says, and I love this phrase in verse 13. He says, these all died in faith. These all died in faith. That phrase is amazing. You'll only die in faith if you live by faith. So the only people who die by faith or in faith are those who have lived by that same faith. And they persevered. They kept going. They didn't go back. It, it would have been easy. The writer says if he had called to mind the place from where he came, he would have had opportunity to go back, but now he seeks a better country. So Abraham was always reasoning. He was reasoning. If he had wanted to, he could have set his mind, like Lot's wife did, on the city out of which God was drawing him and calling him, but he didn't. He lived by faith. He died in faith. And notice this, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Imagine if somebody asked you where you were from and you said heaven. I know it would be super weird and they, they wouldn't know what to say. It would get awkward for you. But essentially the writer is saying we have a better citizenship, Paul says this in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so notice, uh, people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They're seeking where their citizenship is. And they are persevering toward that. 
Notice verse 16. As it is, they desire a better country. How can I, how can you um, persevere in the life of faith? We need to be people that desire a better country. Um, One of my best friends is a PCA minister. I talked to him every day for years. He's 44 years old. He had a massive stroke two weeks ago, and we're praying for him desperately. You don't know what life holds. You don't know. You can make all your plans, 44, healthy, and he has a stroke. Um, Life is very short and fleeting. And it does us good to remember that and to think about that. Um, And to desire a better country, notice a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, notice in chapter 13, the writer picks up again on this theme of the city. and, And in verse 14, coming to the end of the book, it's as if, the writer of Hebrews wants to again just press this in and press in um, our need to endure and press into that heavenly city. Notice this, he says, here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. I heard Donald Trump's speech at Mount Rushmore, whatever you think about Donald Trump or Mount Rushmore, doesn't matter, uh, or what I think. Um, And he said, this monument will stand as an everlasting memorial forever. No, it won't. No, there's a day coming when Mount Rushmore will not be there. I know what he meant. Appreciate the sentiment. But we are pressing to a heavenly country, an everlasting city. Here we have no lasting, no enduring city. I mean, this is one of the most beautiful places in America. No doubt. We are totally in love with Signal Mountain. But here we have no continuing city. We seek the one to come. And so that means when the challenges come, and they will come, and the hardships come, and they will come, and the trials come, and they will come, our hearts ought to long even more for that city. That's what, that's what draws us through. It's like a magnet. Now, I want to tell you this just briefly. Uh, The writer of Hebrews does something at the end of this chapter and culminates at the beginning of chapter 12 with those words, and you know them, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, right? So here's all the examples of the faithful in the Old Testament who who lived and died in faith, and then uh, it's as if the, the, the capstone is Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, but here's the glorious thing. There is nothing you will experience in a sojourning life, here and now, that Jesus didn't experience. That God himself, think about this, the God who called Abraham came to the land he promised to Abraham, and he didn't have a home. He had nowhere to lay his head. Abraham had a tent. Jesus said the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he moved around in the land of promise, just like Abraham. The same land, Jesus moved around the land of Israel and never owned any of it, though he owns everything. He was the ultimate stranger and exile. He was exiled from heaven. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. 
He was in the world, and the world did not know him. And yet he sojourned all the way to the cross, where he was nailed to the tree in order to redeem us and to bring us to an everlasting city. That's how it works. How will I end up in a city that has foundations? How will you end up in a city that has foundations? Jesus Christ secured that on the cross. You know, you know in John 14, where, um, and I've always had a pet peeve, I, I don't like translations that say mansion, because that's not what it says in the Greek. It says abode, dwelling places. But Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And sometimes that's been conceived of as him going into heaven and building like structures. He's going to the cross. Where does he prepare a place for us in glory? He hangs on the tree. He takes the wrath we deserve. He atones for our sin. And he secures a place in glory for us. That's how Abraham's there. That's how Isaac's there. That's how Jacob's there. All by grace. He does everything to bring us to glory. And then he becomes the object, the magnet, that we fix our eyes on in order to persevere into the city he has prepared for us. That's absolutely astonishing. Jesus does everything for us, and then he draws us when we fix our eyes on him by faith. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. He says, I go away, I prepare a place for you, I'm coming again, that I may receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want to encourage you this morning at whatever stage of life you're at, whatever situations you're at, maybe... Maybe you're complacent and you're too comfortable in this world. I've been there. Maybe you are hurting and grieving. Maybe you're frustrated. Um, what the writer of Hebrews says here is the remedy for all of us. We so desperately need to have our minds and hearts realigned to have a pilgrim, sojourning mentality. This is not your home. The Lord would not have you get too comfortable here. I hope that you'll be encouraged to fix your eyes on Jesus, again, the author and finisher of our faith. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we pray that you would free us from a love of this world and the things in this world. We pray that you would fix our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, on the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would increase our faith, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would give us hearts that are longing to be with you in glory, even as we seek to live by faith in the here and now, that we would desire a better country, a heavenly one. Father in heaven, would you give us your Holy Spirit to work this in us? Would you do for us what only you can do for us? We pray for your blessing on this church as uh, the members of it live as sojourners and pilgrims together. We pray, our God, that you would protect Mountain Fellowship and that you would use it for its witness here on Signal Mountain and in Chattanooga. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.